This is The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast brought to you with the support of Medical Mutual. Hi, I'm your host, Dan Paletta. Glad you can join us today. Don't look now, but Cleveland is really becoming one of the major places to have big sporting events. We played host to the Major League Baseball All-Star Game in 2019. We'll be hosting the NBA All-Star Game in 2022. Women's Final Four is coming here in 2024. Men's Division I Basketball, first round 2025. And then the NCAA Men's Division I Wrestling Championships also come to Northeast Ohio. But perhaps the biggest of these sporting events that's going to be taking place is April 29th through May 1st as the NFL Draft comes to Cleveland here in downtown on the lakefront. Here to tell us what we might expect from the draft, what's going to go on over these next couple of days, as well as what it might mean for the future, is Kevin Kleps, who writes about the business of sport for Cranes Cleveland. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Dan. Good to be here. Pulling off an event like this is obviously a big challenge, but now we add COVID into the mix. Is it just a, an accomplishment enough to make sure that to say this is even happening at this point? Yeah, I think that's a pretty major victory in terms of what the organizers are thinking about this, just because, I mean... Late last year, it was pretty iffy on whether it was going to even happen. It, it was starting to look like it, we could be looking at another all-virtual draft like we had in 2020. Yeah, so just getting to this point is huge for the area. It's not going to be what everyone thought it was going to be when Cleveland landed the draft in 2019. But if you're bringing tens of thousands of people uh, downtown for three consecutive days and you're packing hotels and restaurants and everything else, that's and that's significant. It's not what it what we thought it was going to be, but it's still pretty darn good. Who are the driving forces behind bringing the draft to Cleveland? The Greater Cleveland Sports Commission is the major one behind this. They've been, them and the Browns, and it was originally the Browns, the Sports Commission, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame were working together on a bid a few years ago. Then they realized that the logistics of that didn't make sense because you couldn't, you wouldn't want fans going back and forth between Cleveland and Canton for a three-day draft. It just wouldn't work. So they, after not getting selected for what the first round of bidding a couple of years ago, they decided to uh, go with just an all Cleveland bid and the sports commission and the Browns were the driving factors behind that. And David Gilbert and his team at the sports commission have done a great job with bringing events here. And they were, the bid they put together was something that the NFL uh, thought was a winner. And I mean, there was at one point, I think it was 21 cities were in competition for it and Cleveland was selected. So that's, that's a significant thing costs a lot of money to put on these kind of large scale events. When we look at the kind of figures that it takes to do this, let's look back at the and the All-Star game for baseball, this event, the draft, and the upcoming NBA uh, All-Star game as well as that Women's Final Four. What is it going to cost Cleveland to help put this on? The total cost for those the four big events over that uh 5-year span is the Sports Commission and Destination Cleveland estimates that it's going to be about 15 and a half million. So that's that includes uh, cash they need to raise, and that also includes value in kind, which is like donation of facilities and services, security, that type of stuff. So you're looking at an average of, what, almost $4 million for those four events. The NFL draft and the NBA All-Star game, from what I've heard, are the most expensive of the two, and the expenses of those two are pretty close. But the NFL pays for the majority of the costs when they, when they have an event here. So Cleveland might be on the hook for... I don't know, four to five million would be my best guess, but the NFL is paying probably at least three times that. When I was talking to uh, the gentleman who leads, who led Nashville's efforts in 2019 for the their their uh, version of the sports commission, he said that cost about 20 million to put on, and they were on the hook for about three to four million. So the NFL, in their case, paid for more than 80 percent of it. 
This is The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. More of our conversation in just a moment. But first, a word from our partner, Medical Mutual. You mentioned that there's in-kind things like places to pull these events off, but what about this concept that there are also some corporations and donations that fund this? Who's involved in that kind of thing? Yeah, those are the the big corporations that you would expect, just the heavy hitters in town. They don't let they don't really tell you like who gave what, but I mean the the pro sports teams are involved, the the major downtown corporations are involved and the total for those four events, they've raised five million from uh, the corporate, from the corporations, and from the nonprofits in town, which uh, David Gilbert thought was a pretty major thing. And they still have three more years before the women's final four comes to town, and they're at of that total, the the corporate giving plus money from Destination Cleveland and the state and some other factors, they needed a total of thirteen point five million, and they're at about twelve point nine million right now. So they're with three years to go, they're in pretty good shape. The original estimate pre-COVID was the hope that maybe $100,000 or pardon me, $100 million of economic activity would be added to the Cleveland economy with the NFL draft. Have, you, have there been revised numbers since we probably won't have as many people as we thought coming? Yeah, I don't, I, they haven't done, they say they're going to do some kind of study afterward, but yeah, I don't think it'll be anything close to that. If you look at what Nashville had with the 600,000 fans they estimated were there for the three days and the images you saw of the packed streets and just everything else, it's you can't have that obviously now. So, I mean, they're calling tens of thousands uh, per day. And if you look at the way they're structuring the draft experience, you're going to have uh, three days worth of that for nine, 10, 12 hours a day, where you're going to have fans going in in timed increments of three to four hours. So, if you if you get a few thousand spaced out there and then you do it three or four different times a day, plus you have the theater, the draft theater with a few thousand people, I mean, you can get, you might be able to get, you're going to get five figures each day. And it just depends. The economic impact just depends on how many people are coming from out of town. So that's what, that's, what's going to determine this. Uh, the ones that are packing the hotels and everything else. But from what I was told, that number should still be pretty big because the, the downtown hotels are, at or near capacity for those three days. And when I was talking to the general manager of the West End, she was saying that they were they were pretty much booked the week before just because they expect people to just come into town just to look at the draft stage and everything else that's going on. When we spoke to David Gilbert on one of these earlier podcasts, it was interesting to note, he talked about the NFL just takes up so many rooms with their whole entourage of people that come. Um, I would suppose even if nobody came downtown between the NFL and the teams and the media, you'd still have a lot of business downtown. Honestly, that's probably a, that's a big, big part of this. Just the NFL is just such a monster with this. And when you look at how these draft productions are, I, there's got to be countless members of ESPN and the NFL Network who are going to be taking up hotel rooms just because of the production value of those. Of, I mean, that's three days of production value where you're going to have workers galore down there. So, yeah, that's, and with the NFL and all their staffers and everything else, that's, that's a large chunk of it. And the, the NFL has room blocks that – all these downtown hotels. So yeah, they're accounting for a major portion. In addition to the actual event, how's the draft being used to market the city? They're doing a bunch of stuff. They're, uh, Destination Cleveland is doing a Cleveland Wants to Draft You campaign that is kind of looking at bringing people back. Maybe people are familiar with the area, former former residents, maybe uh, people who went to college here or people who were here at one point and just moved away years ago. And just uh, it, it's a website that will give you information on Cleveland, housing, housing prices, and just other indicators, like things that you can do and uh, th- things to see and do here, just a kind of a way to get people to just 
consider maybe that's somewhere I want to be. They're doing other things too, where they're uh, more of a short-term kind of thing, where they're trying to, where they're gearing campaigns toward uh, cities that are that have NFL fans like Columbus and Cincinnati and Baltimore, just Pittsburgh that are that are within a, a drive time that could come here for the draft too. That's so that's more of a short-term thing where they're trying to bring people in just for the draft, but then they're trying to do the long-term game with this where they're bringing in people who might want to live here. People with, uh, th- that website that I mentioned that NFL wants to draft you has uh, job listings too, from some, uh, some of the major companies downtown where, or just in Northeast Ohio where you can browse and see, okay, maybe that's somewhere I, w- maybe that's something that interests me. And then you bring people here and then you, and then they stay. So that's, that's a big part of this too. For people who have never watched the draft on ESPN or more casual fans, sometimes it's hard to believe how much time and airtime they put into it. How many times you're going to see the Cleveland skyline over those three days? It's kind of like a postcard for Cleveland. I, I've heard that heard it referred to as that. Is when you have these big events, I mean, they're going to show those glamour shots. They'll show the Rock Hall. They'll show the skyline. Whatever else, I'm sure I would think uh, Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse will be shown, and First Energy Stadium will obviously be a part of it too. So yeah, you're going to see that kind of stuff and that I mean, that's going to be anytime the camera pans away or they go to commercial, there's a chance you might see some kind of uh, scenery shot from Cleveland, which is pretty cool. Greg Harris from the Rock Hall raised an interesting point in a piece that you wrote where you talked to him. He talked about the social media impact of this. I mean, when they 20 years ago, when we weren't all on Instagram as much as we are now and Facebook, people are going to be posting things constantly from here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a bit the dra- These kind of big events in the NFL especially is – it's made for social media. The NFL draft is, it's amazing what it's, what it's turned into. I mean, it was always popular, but the way it's, the way the NFL has done it the last few years, when they, when they brought it from, they brought it out of New York and they brought it from city to city and it turned into like this big, kind of like this big festival. And then you look at what they pulled off last year with the virtual event. That was, that might've been the favorite, the, the best draft I've ever seen as far as it, from a production standpoint, that was just incredible. So yeah, you. I think it was 55 million viewers. They said for the combined for the three days of the draft on the NFL Network and ESPN and uh, streaming. So and that's a obviously a huge, huge number. And whatever you multiply that times whoever, however many for social media. And yeah, it's 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 monstrous. It's absolutely monstrous. I also thought it was just an interesting move by the NFL over the years to do it this way. If you notice with Major League Baseball, after their season is over, then they start to release the individual awards to get their name in the news each day. Today, the best relief pitcher, tomorrow, this award winner. It's a great way for the NFL in the offseason to remarket themselves to their fans. The NFL is never hurting for interest. It's, it's, it's because it's, it is such an absolute beast in terms of that. And I mean, we look at, heck, look at what the Browns do here. I mean, the littlest transaction the Browns make, people debate about it and just... The Browns sign anyone and people go crazy. But yeah, the NFL is a completely different animal. And the way they have their offseason staggered, where you have that, you have the break after the Super Bowl for about a month and you have free agency that starts in March and that gets a ton of publicity for a couple of weeks. And then there's a little bit of a lull and then the draft is in late April and that's a whole nother thing. And the lead up to the draft is, I mean, as we know around here in Cleveland, more than better than pretty much anyone is that can be a season into itself. Just that's been one nice change, though, I think, for Browns fans is now you're no longer looking for the quarterback. You no longer have the top five pick and you're no longer debating about, OK, how are we going to turn this around? Now you have a team that's ready to win. Now you can kind of focus on just bringing somebody in who's going to help you a little bit more. 
We're talking with Crane's Cleveland business reporter, Kevin Kleps. We're talking about the NFL draft coming to Cleveland April 29th through May 1st here on The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast brought to you with the support of Medical Mutual. I'm Dan Pauletta. So are the Browns themselves doing anything out of the ordinary because the draft is here in Cleveland? The Browns are involved in all this. They're involved in the marketing of it. They're involved in uh, some of the pre-draft stuff that's going on. They're helping with the organizing of it. And they're gonna, there's, there is stuff. I, I was uh, given a list of some things from Destination Cleveland last week, and one of them was there's a Browns backers event in Lakewood where there are going to be alumni meet and greets and just like a free food and, and not free food, but uh, it, the gathering is free. And then there's going to be food and drinks at uh, at a place in Lakewood. I think it's Plank Road Tavern. And so that's something where they'll have Browns alumni there. And I'm sure the draft, the actual draft night elements, the Browns will be involved. How, how that's going to be, I'm not sure yet. But yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be a major part of this. The majority of the activity takes place on the lakefront. What are some of the things fans can participate in? The draft experience is really the biggest thing that they can do, aside from maybe going down a few days before the draft or even on the morning of the draft just to check out the scenery. If you want to actually be a part of the, the whole draft scene, it's got to be the draft experience, which is a kind of an interactive fan festival where you can go down. There's autograph elements. There's uh, there's a bunch of different photo opportunities and that kind of stuff. And they're going to have that that's runs all three days of the draft. And that's in the same area on North Coast Harbor with uh, by Browns, by the Brown Stadium and by uh, the Science Center and the Rock Hall. That's going on for those three days. And it's free, but you have to register ahead of time on uh, on the NFL's app. So that's 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 been the biggest thing with that is it's limited because of COVID. So you have to the NFL's one pass app is the only way you can access that. What about watching the draft itself? Is that only going to be limited to um, NFL officials and, and, and team people? Yeah, the actual well, the well, the draft experience is going to have the the broadcast on big screen, so you can view it there if you're at the draft experience. But the actual theater that was constructed on the lake that's being constructed on the lakefront is that from what I can tell is basically just NFL personnel, the, any kind of draft prospects they're going to bring out, and then any kind of team staffers who are going to be there, and then VIPs. I think there's going to be some element like we saw at the Super Bowl with the vaccinated healthcare workers. I think there's going to be there's going to be some uh, some of some of that uh, group on hand. But uh, as far as just you and I or just just regular Joe from Westlake. I don't think that's going to, that's not going to be an option. It's a, you, the draft experience or heading downtown and checking out what they're doing is, is your only real, only real way to see what's going on. You mentioned some of the players may be in town, those players who are drafted. Um, so do you think we might see a Trevor Lawrence or, or Justin Fields because there's, they're going to be early picks most likely. Will they invite them and hopefully that they'll come? Yeah, they'll, they'll invite the usual round of draft prospects. I haven't seen a list of who's coming in, Who's not? Uh, but yeah, they will do what they normally do. Where you, you usually it's I think around 20, 25 prospects who are invited, and they come. And if they choose to, they come to town for it. So yeah, it's, and then you have that. You could have that uh, goofy element where if a guy falls in the draft, and you'll have the cameras pan to him in the in the green room where he's waiting to waiting to hear if he's going to get drafted. But yeah, there's going to be there's going to be a group of uh, of uh, players on hand for that. And it'd be, yeah, it'd be cool. I mean, with Ohio state, that would be cool. If, uh, I would, assu- I would assume that Justin Fields would be one of them, but uh, I'm not sure of that. Yeah. You could probably bring up about 10 kids from Ohio state, given the amount of 
players that are probably going to draft from that particular school. Oh my goodness. Yes, for sure. The Rock Hall is also involved. Can you tell us about some of the things that they're doing? They're doing an exhibit uh, that's beginning on April 23rd is available. It's called, it's uh, on, it's a history of halftime shows and how that has become such a big part of the Super Bowl. And it's kind of a, a throwback to all those memorable moments that we've seen over years, like Katy Perry and the left shark that became a meme for quite a while. They, those uh, some of the some of the famous things we've seen from Prince and other performers. So that exhibit uh, opens up to the public on April 23rd, and then during the draft, the Rock Hall is going to have extended hours, with the exception of the first night. The first night is closed to the general public because they're doing a red carpet uh, gala for the draft attendees. So that uh, the Rock Hall won't be open to the public that day. But on the last two days of the draft, the Rock Hall will have extended hours. I think it's 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. for that exhibit and for anyone else who wants to check out the Rock Hall. And Greg Harris was uh, telling us that he thought that they would have uh, that that would be those two days would draw significant interest for them. And that's something they'd obviously welcome after everything that pandemic brought last year. I was going to say, like everyone, the Rock Hall certainly has suffered from a lack of attendance simply because of COVID. So this is probably going to be a nice boost for them. Yeah, he was uh, Greg Harris was uh, telling me that he, I think their revenue was about 60 percent of what they were hoping it would be last year. And they had to shut down a couple of times because because of the pandemic. So, yeah, they. The hospitality and events industry was just, I mean, absolutely decimated because of the pandemic. So this is one of those type of things where they hope it's going to be some kind of jumping off point where it's going to get, now that you see more people getting vaccinated and hopefully the COVID numbers continue to improve that those industries will start to get back on their feet a little bit. Sports more than ever, it seems, is is about more than just the game these days. There's plenty of cultural and social issues that surround it. And there's some events happening, if I understand correctly, at Progressive Field that are going to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah, they're doing. That's something the sports commission and it has really stressed when with these big events is they want there to be some kind of community impact, something that goes beyond the the dollars, the economic impact, something that goes beyond the hotel rooms and the rest and the restaurants being impacted. They want there to be other things involved that the community gets out of this. And one of the things they're doing is an event a summit at Progressive Field that's going to talk about social justice and uh, women in sports. And it's a, a plethora of things that they're going to have three days worth of panel discussions and uh, group meetings and everything else that is going on in progressive field. It sounds like it's going to be, it could be really impactful and something that, and it's another one of those events that's free too. That's one of the best parts about uh, what the NFL does with this draft is there's so many different things that are going on, but everything is free. I mean, you, if you, obviously if you're going to stay overnight and you're going to buy a meal and all that stuff, none of that's free, but the actual attendance at this kind of, at all these types of things is free, which is a, that's a big draw. And that's just something the NFL is, uh, does a good job of. Not only for Cleveland, but for sports in general, this is one of the first really major events. Certainly the Super Bowl happened with some fans and the NCAA tournament, I think had some fans, but not many. I, th- I would imagine all eyes are going to be on Cleveland just to see how this is handled. Yeah, this is one of the biggest events that has been held the last, what, 13 plus months. And you had the Super Bowl, which is always going to be the biggest of the year. And they had they had a pretty good crowd there. I mean, by COVID standards, they had a pretty good crowd there. And but now we have the draft that I mean, that's bigger than anything we've seen in Cleveland in in a long time. So, yeah, and nationally, it's a huge, huge story. And 
it's going to continue to be for the next, for, I mean, until it's, until the last pick is made on, on that, on that Saturday. So yeah, it, this is the biggest, when Cleveland landed the draft, uh, David Gilbert thought it was the, about the biggest event Cleveland could host because we don't have a dome stadium that can host the final four. And he, so you can't draw an event of that type. So for a sports event, this was the biggest, but it's, I mean, nationally, this is one of the biggest that's been held the last 13 months. Kevin Kleps, thanks for joining us. Glad to find out what's going to happen on April 29th through May 1st. Should be an exciting time for Cleveland and for sports fans. Thanks, Dan. I, I enjoyed it. Kevin Kleps covers sports for Queens Cleveland. Kevin joined us for the Landscape of Queens Cleveland podcast, which is presented with the support of Medical Mutual. The Landscape is produced by Cody Smith. Make plans to join us for an exclusive interview with the new Vice President and General Manager of Cedar Point, Kerry Bullman. That's on Friday, April 30th. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks again for being with us. We'll talk soon.